Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Around the 412. We are part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Tyler, and with me as always is Smitty, back from his injury. Smitty, how's that knee feeling? How are you going? Uh, it's doing better today than it was a week ago. Uh, big shout out to Eddie P, the multimedia director of DK Pittsburgh Sports, for stepping in for me last week. You guys had a great show, uh, but I'm definitely glad to be back uh, for now. I will say that. Um, so for anybody that doesn't follow me on Twitter, isn't up with the situation, what's going on with me, I did have a knee procedure done. However, it didn't fix everything that they need to fix. Um, I'm waiting. They're waiting for cadaver, cartilage cadaver that they need Ooh. to replace um, in my knee. So You're getting a dead man's cartilage. That's, that's lovely. Yeah, so that is going to be whenever I can get in. I don't even know when that's going to be. I have a follow-up appointment this Thursday. Whenever I am able to get in for the procedure, I'm going to be six weeks of no weight on my left leg from that point. So there might be some time in there that I'm going to miss as well. But I definitely missed being on here last week, so I'm so glad to be back. I'm ready to talk about some sports with you. Let's start off with the Pirates. Their season did come to an end. They finished 61 and 101. They do get past that 100 loss benchmark that we were talking about. They were flirting with not doing it because they had a pretty decent stretch of baseball that last month or so where they were playing like right around 500. Um, and it looked like they might not get to 100 losses, but they do do it. Um, look at me. I'm making it seem like it's like a good thing, like it's an accomplishment. Um, <laughs> but but here's the cool thing like these last couple of games, the Pirates given us a little glimpse of the future, bring up Ronzi Contreras. And Ono Cruz in the last couple games here to make a start, and then Cruz making two starts the last couple days, and today hits a two-run homer in the ninth inning as well. So I, I don't. And they said it was like more of like they had no plans to do this, but they were rewarding him for literally doing everything that they had asked of him throughout the season. So it was just cool to see that happen. Like I said, the Pirates for a team that had a hundred losses, like actually having decent crowds the last few games, just because of these guys being up here, like it gave us a little glimpse into what hopefully we see in the future. Yeah, I thought that was nice to see, especially Cruz. I think we were expecting Ro- Roanze Contreras and someone like Miguel Yajure as well. Um, uh, he, he he pitched in a game too. Yeah. Um, didn't do as well, but th- those type of guys, we were expecting to at least probably uh, make the team next year. Cruz, we weren't as sure, but it was nice to see him up here. Um, and he lit it up. I mean, he was lighting up AAA, so it was very well-deserved that he got a shot these last couple games and he, he performed well. He didn't disappoint the fans went what two of four last or yesterday. And uh, 
he went he, he two of five and day. one for oh, four, two yeah. five yeah so he can't really complain about that and when it comes to the pirates overall 101 losses. That was only one off of my uh, season total. If anybody had listened to our show before we were on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, I predicted that we were going to go uh, 60 and 102. So pretty close. Uh, I'm, I, I don't want to necessarily say I'm proud of myself for that <laughs> because your team losing 100 games no matter what is a bad thing, but it is what it is. We knew this team wasn't going to be good. The season came to an end, and they got, they're going to get, what, a top five draft pick? So hopefully they get another good prospect in their pool, which has already gotten really good this year. Um, and, oh, one other thing. What was in Cole Tucker's, like, drink the other night? I was just to say that's really the only other thing to talk about with the Pirates. I'm not just going to say last night. Like, I feel like he's been doing this for a little bit of time now. Like, they put him he in must have heard spot. what I said a couple weeks ago on our show where I said yeah. send him to the sun. And I know you just, said just you want to step further than even Kevin Newman with Cole. Tucker. I know, like, I know. I I think that he's I, I like I don't know that anybody's won a forty man roster spot like or the right to stay on the forty man roster in such short time. But I don't see a way that the Pirates don't do it now. Like I feel like he did just enough in that time, and also there's like a little a little thing in the back of their mind where it's like, hmm, maybe he, whatever just wasn't clicking with Rick Eckstein. And then once we got him out, Cole Tucker really started to turn the page. Possibly. I mean, I mean, it makes the decision a lot harder. And I know what I said a couple of weeks ago. I said, send Kevin Newman to the moon and Cole Tucker to the sun. I'm not saying I necessarily am dying for him back on this team. Um, I'm not. If he's gone, it's going to be no hurt feelings from me. Um, but it does make the decision for the Pirates a little bit more interesting. It's, it's just... I don't know how many guys they have that are Rule 5 eligible. I just know based off the trades they made this past year that it's a lot. And I still stand by my point that I would rather see a lot of these guys on the 40-man that we've gotten via trades than some of the guys we've seen over the past few seasons that have been with the Pirates and we know what they are already. But apparently with Cole Tucker, we don't know what they are. Um, But yeah, I I still stand by that. But it it, it does make the decision a little more interesting, at least with Cole Tucker and uh, maybe he makes the 40 man. I don't know, but it, it, I guess it just depends on if, because if he's not going to play shortstop, which I, I don't know if he's going to, I know they, <laughs> I remember when they experimented with, with him in like center field too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I don't, it, it's just like, where do you stick him? And is he going to be consistent? I mean, it's great to see him play this well the past few weeks. Um, but is he going to be consistent? Because that's the one thing I said was that he he could be good in spurts, but the problem is he's never been able to do it consistently throughout his career with the Pirates, which is why I'm ready to move on. But I will say it it was really fun to watch, especially the one game the other night. uh, It was literally all ridiculous catches. That's what I'm saying. Like was Vanessa Hutchins in the stands or something (laughs) like that? Like, I don't know. Have to put on a show. I don't know if she was. I was going to say that's, he was playing second base that night. And, you know, if we're talking about, do you think, this kind of leads into this. If, if he can continue playing at second base, do you think that Cruz, who we saw only for two games this year, not a ton at AAA, do you think that he has a chance to make the major league roster next year? Or do you think, like like I said, it was just definitely them rewarding him for this season. He's definitely going to start in AAA next year. I think the way that he performed in his time in AAA this year, and then, listen, it's only two games. It's just, It's almost as small as a sample size as you can get in the big leagues, but still, it's two games where – he wasn't hitless. He did perform well 
uh, in the majors. I think that gives him every opportunity to make the roster next year and be that starting shortstop. Because think about it, in the system, if if he's the guy, why would you put anybody else in front of him? He is clearly like one of the best prospects in the system. He's going to be the best shortstop in the system. And we know that he's going to stick at shortstop and the the height is not going to hinder him any. Why not? And if, if Cole Tucker is good at second baseman, then I'm fine with him moving over there as well. I just didn't really want him as a shortstop long term. I know the shortstops we have behind him coming up, and that's the issue. Um, but yeah, in the short term, if Cole Tucker blues to second base and then we have O'Neill Cruz as our starting shortstop next year, I'm perfectly fine with that. Any Anything to get these guys up here quicker, I, as long as they're ready and you're not just pushing them, I'm okay with. Yeah, I think if he's given a legit shot to win a major league job in spring training, he, like why wouldn't he? I mean, look at what he's done at every level. There's there's no way that oh, if he, in, in triple A, and I get he job. he didn't spend like an entire season in triple A or anything, but in triple mm-hmm. A having like a one point nine OPS, yeah, like people are good if they have over a one. I mean, or if they have over eight hundred, right? It's insane. So great start for Ono Cruz. Uh, it was not, it was a great start today for the Steelers too. However, things kind of spiraled out of control after that. We're going to talk about that when we come back on Around the Four One Two. This is Around the Four One Two as part of DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, and welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Uh, like I said, Steelers got off to a great start today, finally went down on their first drive of the game, got some points, got a touchdown, not just three. They they did the whole thing. They punched it into the end zone. Deontay Johnson scores a touchdown, 45-yard touchdown from Ben Roethlisberger. However, after that, the offense did what the offense has done the rest of 2021 besides that first drive. They went stagnant. They couldn't move the football. Um, but for the first time, what I thought was different about this game as opposed to the previous three was I thought they actually were starting to establish something on the ground. I thought that they were running the ball okay. And also in pass protection, like Ben had some clean pockets and he was just missing throws. So I guess what I'm getting at is for the first time in 2021, I felt like Ben Roethlisberger is the number one person to blame why the Steelers offense struggled today. For this game, I agree. There were multiple misthrows. Two specifically that come to mind, the Juju Smith-Schuster. I, I know people are trying to argue that the, that first one was catchable. I, I mean, listen, he's not Superman. You can't expect him to be able to make that throw or make that catch. Ben is the one that should be able to make that throw. He's literally wide open. Um, even I remember a crossing route that Najee was on and he just threw it behind him. That was in like towards the end of like the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter or whatever. It, it was very evident that Ben was just missing the marks today. And you're right. The offensive line, now they weren't great again. No, but, no, no. I mean, they're, they're not good at all, but they 
did a little bit better, and especially in the running game. That's the thing is they're not going to be. So everything else about this offense was probably as good as we're going to see it be this season. And yet we, we, we kept saying, we kept saying like, if the offensive line is good, if you get some type of rhythm on the ground, if your receivers are getting some type of separation, if they're not dropping the football, then we should be okay because we still believe like Ben can be a quarterback that's successful in that ecosystem. Well, today, everything else around him was okay enough. And he just was missing these throws. Yeah, the line is still crap, but the <laughs> fact that Najee was still able to get 4.1 yards per carry as opposed to like two and a half yeah. is, is pretty good. Um, he, he finished with 62 in that touchdown at the very end. Um, but but overall, th- this game, I feel like if offensively is mainly blamed on Ben. He's just washed up, and I don't really see a way around it. I, I, I don't know. I think Steeler fans have to quit kidding themselves and thinking that this – is going to be a good team, and, I, and I'm, I'm I'm being dead serious on that. I, I think this team sucks. I I, re, I genuinely do, and I'm starting to revert to how I was at the end of last season. Last last season, I wanted Ben to retire. I wanted Randy Fickner gone, which I got, but I also wanted them to draft a tackle, which they should have. I think it's very evident. I love Najee. He was not the right pick See, at 24. I w- I'm glad you brought that up because I disagree. I think if anything, they should have drafted a lineman in round two. Who would they have taken in round one over Najee? That would be playing right now. They would have had to move up for Kevin Jenkins would be the next but, one. Yeah, but he's out for the season potentially with a back injury. Like, yeah. So and and he's uh, I, I don't know that he would he wasn't even playing right away anyway in Chicago. Like I think if anything, you can make the argument that they should have gone like Samuel Cosme or something over Fryermuth. But I, there wasn't for me a tackle worth taking at 24 once Darisaw got taken at 23. Now, if somebody were to say they felt, they felt like the secondary, like they should have addressed that before Najee. So maybe they should have gone with like Newsom or uh, Asante Samuel Jr. Who I liked or uh, Eric Stokes Jr. is playing pretty well in green Bay. Like if they, if they would have said like, we felt worse about the secondary than the run game or something like that. I think that makes sense. But when we see like, and it's easier when we have this hindsight, but just going based off what we're seeing now, it, it doesn't look like there was a tackle worth taking at 24 anyway. Like a center, maybe Creed, but Creed Humphrey they could have had at 50. That's, I guess that's probably, yeah, that would be what I would say. If we could go back in time, I love Pat Fryermuth. Like it's the same thing that you're saying about Najee, but I would have taken that center over Pat Fryermuth. Basically what we're both getting at is that the way that they approached this season was entirely wrong. And they approached it as if they were going to make one last run with number seven and try to win a Super Bowl. That's not going to happen. But even then, they didn't do that because they took guys on their offensive line that were more project players than for sure right-away starters that are going to make your line better. I mean, Dan Moore Jr., we hope he's going to be a decent tackle. Kendrick Green, we hope he'll turn into a decent center. But we don't know. We, we don't yeah. know that these guys are going to do that. Those are Kendrick Green, players. we don't even know if he's going to be able to stick at center. I mean, I understand that it's a very small sample size, but he's just he's not been good at center, and I think that he could be really good at guard. Maybe they go, they draft a center next year, and he replaces Trey Turner, you know, because he's only here on a one-year deal. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, we've, we've brought it up how many times on here. It's like it really made no sense because a lot of moves 
were kind of like this is one last ride for Ben, except for the biggest thing, and that's addressing the offensive line. Other than the one-for-one cancellation of David DeCastro out, Trey Turner in, and, you know, a some depth guys like Joe Hague, who, I mean, hey, he stepped in for a core for today, and that was really the only change on the offensive line, and they looked better. So I don't know that he – Well, core for sucks. Yeah, I, I'm not. Sa- I don't know if Jade was like the big difference there. Where I know Green Bay doesn't have the greatest pass rush or anything either, but like that was really the only difference along the offensive line, and they did have a better day today. So I don't know if that's just the Joe Hague for Chukwuma core for replacement. But we will see Zach Banner back. We thought that it might be today. Even I would think he should be able to go next week against Denver. I, I don't know, but. Yeah, we could spend all day talking about this offense. Listen, I'm just um, rever- I'm re- I'm reverting back to my my thought process that I had at the end of last season, and it's happening a lot quicker than I thought it was going to going into this season. Where I, I just wish they would have torn it all down. Uh, it's very evident to me that it, it doesn't matter how good the defense is, and the defense was bad today. Let's be frank. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about that, but the, it doesn't matter how good this defense can be if the offense cannot move the ball and they can't score. It doesn't matter. This team is not going to win the division. They're not going to win a Super Bowl. They're not even going to sniff the playoffs, in my opinion. I, I, I wish they would have just torn it all down and completely tried to get this at least offensive rebuild going. It's going to be kind of impossible to fully rebuild the team with the defense you, you have. And it, it's not like you need to rebuild the defense. You can add a few players here and there. But the offense is where you actually need to like sit down and actually rebuild that thing because you're going to need a quarterback. You need to rebuild that offensive line. Offensive coordinator is basically a copy and print of Randy Fickner from last year. And Matt Canada is just nothing that, that we thought he was going to be. It, 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 there's nothing going right for this team offensively, it, week think, in and week out. Do you think with Canada, though, that's a product of the offensive line and the quarterback at his disposal? Like I see that argument a lot on Twitter. I'm not saying that that's necessarily my opinion. I'm just bringing it up to you. My problem with like that line of thinking, that theory, is if you, I don't think that you should have an offensive coordinator that needs certain guys to fit his scheme, well, right? Like that's, he that's should be problem. able to implement, like make the players better in his scheme, like not that's, just the that's this the who I need, I need I, this guy, this guy. I understand that Matt Canada likes to have mobile quarterbacks. I've watched his offenses. I've watched him at Pitt. Nathan Peterman wasn't like this the traditional mobile quarterback, but Nathan Peterman could run when he needed to. And the, the he's not going to get that from Ben. He's not getting that from this offensive line. But the the fact that he's not getting that doesn't change that the offense should not look the exact same as it did the prior years. He should be able to work with what he has and at least make it look different, be calling different plays. It's literally just a lot of the same things that we've seen, which is the biggest like sore eye of this offense. It's not, not just the bad play, but it's the same play calling that we've seen with the bad play, which is why I relate it to 2019 so much because it's like I'm watching the same offense. And like I said, it's worse because you have Ben at quarterback. Who sucks? Let's just be frank. He threw his 400th touchdown. He passed Dan Marino for six all-time or whatever in passing yards. He sucks. He's washed. This should be his last year. If he wants to come back, screw him. I don't care. Get out of here. What is with the uh, the fourth down play calling? And at the same time, like I say play calling, but I, I don't know if that's the original call coming in to Ben, but even if that's the case, I'd be like, all right, I'm not listening to this. Like there's this has a zero chance – the first, the first fourth down that I can think of, I think the original play was trying to throw past the sticks, but the line didn't give him enough time, which is why he had to throw it to Najee. The second one was literally just a lateral throw to Najee. I, I will never understand anybody who needs a first down, especially on a fourth down, 
and you throw laterally and you're not throwing beyond the sticks. I don't I don't get it. Especially yeah, you're throwing you're throwing him out there. There's no bl- there's no blockers over there. He's just by himself. Right, yeah, you're asking him to break like five tackles to get, to get to the marker. Yeah, it, it really it doesn't make any sense. Again, I don't know if that's the original play call that they're sticking with or, or what that is, if Ben's seeing something and changing to that. Either way, that cannot be what you end up actually running as the play. So it's been bad. The offense is bad. We could talk about it all day long, but we can't. we got to switch to the other side of the football because, like we said, they actually had like as close to the full complement of players that we expect them to have, at least for – the foreseeable future because we have no idea what's going on with Stefan Sue. And it's hard to even like consider him part of this puzzle right now as we sit here today. Like we literally have no idea what what's going to happen with him. And Tyson Alualu is out for the season. So like he's not coming back. So mm-hmm. with TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith coming back today, it's pretty much your full complement of players there on defense. They were not able to get off the field. Aaron Rodgers pieced them up. Um, they didn't seem to have a QB spy on him in the red zone, which really makes no sense because we know how dangerous he is with his legs. They were able to break off chunk plays in the run game. Like it just was not a good day for the defense. And I guess that you can like people, everybody was saying on Twitter, like you can expect that going into Lambeau or whatever, going against Rogers after the big win against San Francisco, like for a team that hangs its hat on the defense, if we expect them to be an elite unit, that can't be the performance that's put out there. And I know that the offense doesn't make their life easy, but still, like that was not a benchmark game for this defense. It was not acceptable, in my opinion, when you think about the the talent that they have on that side of the football. I completely agree. And anybody who thinks, oh, that's that, that's what you expect when you go into Lambeau, screw that. You're supposed <laughs> to be an elite defense. You're supposed to have these good players, and they were terrible. When it was 14-7, to seven, I was giving them the benefit of the doubt because it's like, okay, they shouldn't give up 14 points as quickly, but the second one, they, the Packers got the ball on like what, like the 25 or something like that. So I can't really like blame the defense for that too much. Yeah. But the fact that it just kept happening, and I understand Aaron Rodgers is a really good quarterback. Um, they have Aaron Jones. They have Devontae Adams. Randall Cobb's been really good for the Packers. Um and A.J. Dillon has been proving a lot of us in the draft community wrong last year, and he looks like a decent running back. At least he was today. And yeah. I just can't expect this team to do anything if the defense is going to perform like that because the defense is going to, is going to be the thing that has to win them games. And it's literally just like 2019. The defense has to win you games. And if you're giving up 27 points, it's not going to work. And I saw my, my friend Craig, our friend Craig, he tweeted out earlier the difference between like being one and three and losing close games and being one and three and what the Steelers have been doing. The games haven't been close. Like, there's no, at no point have I felt comfortable, like, okay, the Steelers are going to come back from this in any of the three games that they lost. I feel like the t- other team has completely dominated and not, not as just, that's not just offensively. In this game, it was defensively too. I felt like the defense couldn't stop anything. They were and they were lucky that they got that strip fumble and TJ recovered. Otherwise, I mean, it doesn't matter. They get lost the game anyway, but it probably would have been a, a worse score. I, I just I think the defense was very bad today overall. Yeah, I still like. I, the thing is with them is I, I still think it's like a good unit, right? But I, I think that we might be looking at them. 
I feel like we might actually be overrating how good of a unit they are, to be honest with you. I do think that there's a good amount of skill on that side of the football, but steam-wise, I just don't think it's there. And I think that they rely too much on pass rush. If they're not getting home, they're not that great of a unit. They're not that great in coverage. So you think about TJ Watt, who we might not see at 100% for the rest of the season because of this groin injury, and if he continues to play through it, which is, is going to happen, I assume. Alex Highsmith dealing with pretty much the same ailment. Like, your pass rushes are dealing with groin injuries, and they're not going to be 100% for a while. That's something that just lingers. Um, it, it's, it's tough to think that this is going to be a unit that, that can carry the load when you think about it like that. Granted, you know, we, we're talking about they, they didn't really look good in weeks two or three. That was without TJ Watt, without Alex Highsmith mm-hmm. for a good portion. No Devin Bush or Joe Hayden in that week two. I'm a believer in the defense, but the thing is, it's mainly about that pass rush. If they're not generating pressure and we saw them not be able to do that today, then and yeah, they're, they're against kind the Bengals. They, it was the first game in. Well, however, yeah. But I'm saying that was without, without Watt and Highsmith. If those two are playing and you're not generating pressure, then we have concerns. Yeah, and you're you're already down too because you don't know when Tua's coming back, and Tyson Alualu is out for the season. It's just getting worse. So yeah, this this defense they have to carry this team, and today they were just not good uh, overall. They and have I was to thinking carry this that. team, and you just wonder like health wise if they're able to do it. Uh, then that's why I think the Steelers suck. Listen, I, 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 I'm not kidding when I say this. I, I think they're a bad team. I, I don't think we, – we talked about earlier in the season that we think that the conversation of them being close to the Bengals is uh, n- not a serious one. Now I think it's a serious one, especially after the Bengals beat them last week. I think that the Bengals are close to the Steelers, if not better. The team's not good. The offense sucks, and th- that's the reason I think the Bengals could be better than the Steelers is because the offense is so bad. If the offense could move the ball at least, maybe it's a little different. But for how bad they are and the defense not being able to make up for it, I think this team, I said last week, they're lucky if they win six games. I think they're lucky if they win four. See, here's my – I'm not ready to agree or disagree with this. The thing is they're one and one with a health, with a relatively healthy team. Like weeks two and three, where they lost to the Raiders and, and Bengals, and I know that that's that's not an excuse. Every team deals with with injuries, but like assuming health for them the rest of the way, I still think that like the defense is going to keep them in games and win them enough games to be like competitive. I yeah, I, looking at their schedule, it's like hard to find wins and on 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 it right now. But that like, I hate doing that in general. Like when we do like preseason predictions it's like man like so many things can change from this point to this point from this i mean where we are like, i mean in a traditional season we're a quarter of the way through the yeah, season right now right. right i guess we're technically a little less than a quarter i guess yeah or whatever but next week after the denver you have played five out of 17 games you're over a quarter of the way into the season if nothing changes, how long can you wait until you expect something to change? I don't think it's that long. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it, so you look at like their upcoming schedule. Seattle just beat San Fran today, and the Broncos were undefeated until they lost to Baltimore today. Like, if they don't beat Denver and get back to t- if they go, if they drop to one and f- I think that that's a huge difference. By the way, if they get to two and three as opposed to one and four, 
Like that is a like two and three keeps them in the in the race for the division. If they drop to one and four, I think that they're out of it already at that point. I'm sorry, I'm I'm not laughing at you. I'm I'm just laughing at what you said, race for division. Because I don't think it's yeah, a race I mean, at all. I mean, like I, I know I understand the sentiment. It's it's technically is because of the standings or whatever. But I don't think it's close. I don't think there's any way they compete for anywhere. Like they're competing for third place in my mind right now for the in the division. I I just don't think it's close, and it's mainly the offense. The defensive health issues hasn't helped either, and the performance today hasn't helped. Yeah. But the offense just sucks they suck it's so bad and i i can't get around that and you're not going to be able to win games you you expect your defense to hold every single team to 14 or less points every single game you can't expect that from your defense the offense has to be able to put up points at some point and looking at their schedule like I, i i said on last week's show those last six games of the season you can might as well just chalk them all up as l's the two games before that You've got the Chargers and the Bengals. You already lost to the Bengals in Pittsburgh. So what makes you think? What makes you think I'm going to win in Cincinnati? Chargers, I, I just don't think they're going to keep up with Herbert. The Lions, they might beat. Might I'm saying might, and I'm dead serious. Might the Bears, they might beat. Browns, I'm, they're going to get swept by the Browns. I don't care. I'm not afraid to say that. Steelers fans could get pissed off at me all they want. I'm just speaking what everybody does. You watch say. Baker Mayfield today. <laughs> what, what what did they finish with how, how many points did they finish with oh 14 okay so my, maybe they could win that game if they, if they played today. no i'm just saying like but, if, if we thought ben was inaccurate today baker mayfield was 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 worse honestly he's not he's not worse obviously like as a quarterback overall especially at this point in ben's career but baker mayfield was worse today than ben roethlisberger was today I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to answer it complete honesty, like okay. genuinely how you feel. All right. this We got to move on to talk about the Penguins, but I'll answer this. And I also just real quickly before I answer this, want to say, by the way, this didn't play into the result, in my opinion. It would have swung momentum, but I still think Green Bay wins that game. What a ridiculous call on the offsides on the blocked field goal. Yeah. It, it, like If it's too close, why throw the flag? Right, because, I mean, I know that they don't know that it for sure would have been a scoring play, right? But if, if they would have just let it play out and make yeah. it get the touchdown, then it would have been reviewed because it's a scoring play anyway. Yep. Um, but my question. Yes. Is this going to be Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin's first losing season? I think I so. Under- I, I would say I understand yeah. we're only four games and we want to be optimistic. Obviously, I yeah, don't care I about don't. being optimistic anymore. Yeah, I'll, they they killed that in me. Um, they, that's completely dead. I have no optimism for this team. You, if I, yeah. if you were to say they're going to go one and sixteen, I'll be like, yeah, probably. Like I said, <laughs> I still, I still think that the, like the defense. I, I know that like if we think that they're an elite unit, like they shouldn't have gotten carved the way that they did up in Green Bay just because they're playing against a really good team. But the thing is, that is you know as good of an offense maybe besides Kansas City that they're going to see this year. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I expect the defense to have much better days than today. And again, like if the offense actually does exactly what they do or what they did today, every single week, and it's only been hitting on passes that we have to rely on. Like, I guess I'll take my chances on him having some good days thrown in there. Um, 
but yeah, I, I still think like they're probably right now, I'd probably have them at like six or seven wins. And, and I'll say something else that probably a lot of people don't want to say. If you're going to suck, you should full on suck. You should not try to be 500. Yeah. Like, and that maybe that's just me thinking about the future of this team. If I'm the Steelers, why win another game? <laughs> just, my, just my two cents. Why would you want to win? Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about a team that actually did win today in Pittsburgh, albeit just a <laughs> preseason game. We're going to wrap up on here around the 412 as part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. We're talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are off to a 2 in one start in the preseason. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Did you get that all out of your system? You need some uh, blood pressure medication? Or- I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I love this team, and that's why I hate them. I, it shines through. The passion shines through. Um, but like I said, we are able to at least wrap up on a little bit of a high note, I guess. There is going to be some bad news thrown in here as well if you're not if you're not well informed with what's going on with the Pens right now. Jake Densel uh, tested positive for covid and due to the protocols, like actually testing positive, it's not just like, you know, a close contact or anything. He's going to miss the opening night game now against Tampa in nine days. Uh, so 10 days. I'll say, is, say is, is it 10 days the minimum? Yeah. Uh, okay. So he's not going to be able to play in the opener already without Crosby, already without Geno. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is going to be an uphill battle. Should Mike Sullivan win coach of the year if the Pens win opening night? Uh, I'll say like if, they, if, they, if they win that one game, looking at that opening night roster, probably just just give them the award right away. Um, but we did. So today was nice because it gave us a little bit of a glimpse as to what that opening night roster very well could look like. They played a lot of regulars. I'd say like Marcus Pedersen was probably the only one that we're going to see on opening night that didn't play today. They played Yuso Rikula. Unless that means Yuso Rikula is going to play with Chad Rubito on the third pair instead of Pedersen for some reason. I don't see that happening. Um <laughs> But so what I thought was interesting, Danton Heinen brought in as kind of like a buy low free agent. He starts out on the opening line with Jeff Carter and Brian Rust going to assist today for Danton Heinen. I thought he looked pretty good. Jeff Carter also scored a goal. Kasperi Kapanen added two goals. Chris Letang got a goal. Really a guy for me, though, that's also been stealing the show just throughout the entire preseason. He just he seems to be right on the cusp of scoring a goal every single game and just hasn't done it yet. Drew O'Connor. Like, I think this is a guy that is kind of planting a flag and saying, I deserve a role in the bottom six. Yeah, I, I think that he's one of the guys. He was a college signee, and the Penguins had a lot of high hopes for him. He didn't live up to the hopes right away last year whenever he was playing, but he wasn't bad, I guess. He just wasn't as good as everybody like thought he was going to be. like a player, yeah. Yeah, um, but I, I think for sure he's definitely one of the guys that could be fighting for their uh, roster spot. Um, we mentioned a few names uh, a couple shows ago, but we didn't really throw his in there. But yeah, the way he's been playing, it, it, you're right. There, it's really anybody's game with, with who is going to be playing in this top or the bottom six of this lineup at the at least on the opening night because we as we see a lot of these players are dropping like flies so it's making it, getting it yeah. a little bit easier for the guys to make the team and making an impact but yeah uh, I, I'd be fine with Drew O'Connor being on that line I like that I like him as a player um, but yeah looking at I'm looking at the lineup for today's game 
Mm-hmm. Carter, Heinen, Rust. Uh, and I know Heinen was slotted in by a lot of the stat guys that we know as probably the best player to play with Jeff Carter uh, on, on, a, on his line. So m- maybe there's something there. Maybe that's why he's been looking good. And uh, it, maybe that's uh, going to be a decent first line. Uh, the fact that that's the first line, Carter, <laughs> Heinen, and right. Rust. And then the second line, they have Rodriguez as your second line center. I think it's interesting that they'd have Rodriguez on the second line and Bluger still down on that third line. Um, it just maybe. shows. It just tells me like they they're so like they know exactly what Bluger's role is, and he's they don't want to change anything about like his style of play or ask him right. to do more or less. Like they're just so enthralled with what he does in his role. They're not trying to change it in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And do you think a guy like Simone makes the opening night roster? I mean, we we it's, threw names around. So, with him. It's like him, Lafferty, Zahorna, like guys like along those lines. So who didn't play today that we get, like Zach Gaston Reese still on the COVID list, but he could yeah. come back before that opening night. And if so, we'd expect that he would be in the lineup unless like he's still feeling, you know, sick or something from that. Um, and then Zahorna didn't play today, but I think he still has a shot. I would say Simone has an upper hand on him though. Um, so Zach Gaston Reese would be replacing one guy from today's lineup. Uh, was he said Lafferty did play today? Laff- yeah, I would Lafferty say Lafferty was on the right wing. Yeah, I think it would probably be Lafferty that comes out and Zach Gaston Reese in, and Simone would make the opening night lineup. Just based, I mean, Simone's looked yeah. pretty good. I'll say, listen, you, you don't got to convince us. Like yeah. we are Simone believers, <laughs> but we did say when we were talking about him before, we didn't know how much value he added to the team being on the lower lines, but he's right. looked good so far. So. What can you really say about it? It's just mm-hmm. it sucks that the Penguins are in this position in the first place that they have to play with all these guys out. Um, it sounds but, like Sid might not miss like much time though. Like yeah. it sounds like it could just be like three, two or three games. Like he's doing literally everything besides like that with that one hand. Like he even is skating around with his stick in his hand. It's just with one wrist. Mm-hmm. Hey, we've seen him score with one hand before, so <laughs> why not hey. on a backhand too? Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't think that he's like far off at all. I think everything's kind of right on the same timeline. But yeah, two months without Gino is going to be tough. Um, you just really have to hope, and it, you know, if today's any indication, it will be that Jeff Carter just continues to do what he did last year, um, and hope that a guy like you know we talked about Evan Rodriguez. You mentioned was the second line center today. He looks like it's just so weird because he seems like he has like a decent bit of skill. Like he has a a, a decent. Uh, what was it that was said on the broadcast? by board i think he said like his toolbox is what he referred to it as okay like it kind of catches you by surprise because he doesn't seem like that type of player but you really can like you can slot him anywhere up and down the lineup and and he's got a decent bit of skill i thought he had a pretty good game today they even use him on the power play a bit just with you know the guys at their disposal right now um but yeah to me i i think that that dan heinen's really a guy to watch here um because you mentioned you know with jeff carter Doug Blackie, who's been on, who's our friend of ours, who's been on the show, we've been on his stuff before. Um, he actually felt like Denton Heinen would end up playing was up with Sid. Oh, really? Like he, yeah. And he, we would end up seeing Jake. This is when Gino comes back. Jake dropped down okay. to play with Gino and tapping him. Man, we, we've been calling for Jake to play with Gino, and I, I want Zucker to play up with Sid or at least try That's, it. I was about to bring him up. Like, he, he, for me, he's like, when you think of guys that need to step up for the beginning of the season with the absence of Sid and Gino, like Jason Zucker is like the first one that comes to mind. Like we need to see him get back to that player. He was in Minnesota. He needs to score goals. 
That's that's what we need. Like I, yeah. I don't care how good of a playmaker you can be. I need you to put the puck in the net. Um, and it's gonna be interesting to see who he's playing with. Like, is it gonna be Evan Rodriguez and Kapanen? Yeah, I, I Kapanen. Mean, that's what it was yeah. today. It right. could be. Um, I mean, I think that Zucker's probably gonna stay on the second line with Kapanen. It's just who's gonna be the center for him. If it's gonna be I, Rodriguez, and that makes I don't want to say what I what I worry about there in terms of him scoring. But like the one thing with that is Kapanen's going to be the trigger guy for that line, if that's the case. So you know, is Zucker really going to have the opportunity to score many goals playing on that line? I, I don't know, maybe. But what's the power play look like? He isn't he on the top power play unit at least to start the year, just from all the injuries. Uh, today the top power play they actually had Russ playing the point <laughs> uh, with Chris Letang, <laughs> and it was Kapanen, Carter. And I don't, I don't think it was. I don't think it was him. I'm trying it to think. Wasn't it might have been, been Heinen there as well. I don't know. I, either way, Zucker, just don't be traffic cone out there, please. At least make the trade look somewhat decent. Score some goals. Um, but one guy that has been form, performing, I guess, pretty well based off of at least his stat line this season or this preseason, Tristan Jari. He's he's looked a lot better than uh, what we saw last saw of him. Yeah, it's, it's a new pass. The all black is actually pretty dope. I must say, I, I kind of like that. Yeah, he said. But here's the thing: it's like we're talking about. Yeah, he has looked decent. He could look great for the entire regular season. We're still gonna go into the playoffs thinking. I know ah, what's gonna like you know he like he has to answer that bell. We know what he can do throughout the regular season. Like he's already he can not like, not let in a goal the entire regular season, <laughs> and just, right? And we're still gonna be wondering like, oh boy, what's gonna happen when we get to the playoffs? Like, yeah, I can't, can't wait for him to have an eight fifty save percentage this series. So for me, like, but but what I think is the best part about this though is, unlike the playoffs, we have a healthy Casey DeSmith to back him up. And I feel like when you have that type of insurance policy, and I'm not saying Casey dismiss a world beater, but he's just a steady presence behind him. Like how many times last year would Tristan Jari have a, an awful performance? We would turn to DeSmith. He would, you know, get, pitch a shutout or give up one goal. The net would go back to Jari and Jari would play his best game of the season. You know, it's just, it's that competitive nature in goalies, right? That like mm-hmm. when they see somebody doing well that, oh boy, I might lose my crease. It raises their game. And I think that that's, you know, going to only intensify this season with Jari potentially being on like the hot seat. I'm sure he knows all the chatter that was going on. I'm sure he didn't miss it. Um, And he knows that a lot of people are saying Casey DeSmith is just as capable of being the starting goaltender. So, you know, people calling for that 1A, 1B situation. I I still don't think it's going to be that close, uh, at least to start. Like we would have to see Tristan Jari falter. Um, But listen, they – they fired their goaltending coach. They didn't go out and get any new goaltenders. Well, Louis Domingue, I guess, if you want to include him. Um, but it's still him and DeSmith. And to me, I think that that's like a a vote of confidence, if you will. And you know, it's and now it's on the organization because if he falters again, it's going to look really bad on them for not doing something. How do you think that uh, Louis Domingue has looked in Pittsburgh? I mean, yeah, he's been okay. I, I don't think that there's like a goaltender that's really played bad or has played bad enough to make it a talking point or necessarily yeah. like really good to make it a talking point though either. Um, you know, he is what he is. I expect that he'll be the starter at the AHL level. Um, yeah, I just know he said that Andy Kyoto like revived his goal, his career basically and changed his perspective on goalies. 
Oh, interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he could be. He's a guy that has a ton of NHL experience. Like in a pinch, I would feel okay about him. Um, you know, I wish we we just still had Max Legacy to be honest, but I, it, um, I rented him a car. I know. That's why he came to mind, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that you know, so far, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Given that this roster is going to be a little depleted to open up the season, they kind of just got to weather the storm in my opinion, um, you know, until we get some of these healthy bodies back. Um, but, yeah, there's really not a whole lot to say on it besides that. The only, again, the only interesting thing to me is why was Marcus Pedersen not playing with the regulars today? I don't know. I mean, maybe it was just like a maintenance day, but typically you wouldn't have that for a preseason game. It'd well, he, yeah, he practice. did, and he played the second preseason game when, like, most of the regulars didn't. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully he's good to go. Season's coming up pretty quickly. Um, you know what? Looking at this roster too, at least the lineup going into this season, instead of like the guitar that they play whenever they enter the ice, they should mm-hmm. play like the "We Are the Island of Misfit Toys" from Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, because that's what I look at when I look at this. Li- at least offensively, defensively, it's fine. That's what we expect. Offensively, yeah. it's just like, what the heck happened here? <laughs> I know, yeah, you're talking about potential. We'll see about Zach Aston Reese, but Sid, Gino, Gensel. Your, your, three, your three best players, and maybe Aston Reese, who's, your, who's best like arguably the best, best defensive player statistically, all gone. <laughs> so, yeah, again, this is going to be interesting to see how they weather the storm. Sullivan can keep any lineup in any hockey game. So, but opening day against Tampa, they're, we're going to find out, you know, it's going to be a challenge for sure. Um, anything else to add? I think it's about nope, it. We're only what? Nine days away. Yeah. We'll have one more show before the season kicks off. Yep. So sounds good. Maybe on the next show, we can kind of give some predictions and then, you know, go based off that to see how wrong we were. Like kind of, I've been with the Steelers so far to this point. Oh, I was wrong too. I mean, I said they were going to go ten and seven. The Steelers suck. If I if I if you didn't get that from the last segment, the Steelers still suck. Yeah, there might be people that only listen to the Penguins portion of the show. So, although I was right, I, I will say I was right on the Pirates. I mean, all, almost exactly right. I said sixty and one hundred two. They went sixty one and one hundred one. So, we're not bad go. at predicting. We're just unpredictable, you know. Yeah, and then and don't worry, we'll always adjust these predictions to make sure that we're right. So exactly. Um, but anyways, I think that's going to wrap it up. So if you are new here and you're watching on YouTube, please be sure to subscribe to the channel. Leave us a like, leave us a comment, hit that notification bell. So, you know, when a new video is posted from the channel, you can check out all the other great shows on the DK Pittsburgh sports podcast network. You can check out when we do Steelers today, such as the live shows done on Fridays by myself, DK and Eddie Provident or any other great content that is uploaded daily, multiple videos daily, by the way, all your Pittsburgh sports content in one place here at DK Pittsburgh sports. So be sure to subscribe to the channel and do all that great stuff that I just mentioned. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or whatever other platform, if you can leave us a five-star review, if you leave us a question with that review, we'll get to that question on the next show. So be sure to do that. Leave us a five-star review with a question. We'll answer it on the next show. Other than that, it's been Smitty. It's been Tyler. This is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.